Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. 
Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from the Principality of Monaco for the inauguration and christening of a brand new cruise ship, the Silver Sea, Silver Muse. Joining us now, someone who's been on the show numerous times. He's been on more than 150 ships, but who's counting? He's the cruise editor for USA Today, Gene Sloan. How are you, Gene? I'm good, Peter. Thanks for having me. Now, when I say this is a brand spanking new ship, I'm not kidding. It's, wait, two days out of the shipyard. It is. Just two days. I mean, three or four days ago, there were people on board working on the rooms in here. Right. And they were volunteering, too, I suppose. <laughs> but the bottom line is we're looking at a situation now where every single shipyard in the world is operating at 100% capacity. They're building, at last count, 56 new cruise ships of every size and pedigree you can imagine, ranging from this ship, which is under 600 passengers, and is considered, rightfully so, a luxury ship, to the behemoths like the Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Seas, which is coming out next year, and if you add up passengers and crew, you're well over 8,000 people. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And they're so booked up, these shipyards, that you have cruise lines that want new ships that are ordering for 2002, 2003, even all the way out to 2005. You mean you're talking about uh, 2020? Sorry, 25. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, they're so backed up. And people are having trouble getting space at the yards. And yet, can the market support that? Well, you know, this... I, this is the question, and, and, you know, the industry thinks they can. Of course, everyone talks about China being in this huge growth, and they're going to absorb a lot of this. But, you know, we've seen this before where you get good times, and, and, and they order a ton of ships. And then, and then you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a few years now since the last downturn. And, you know, when that happened, 2008, 2009, we saw, you know, they had trouble filling some of the ships. And, That's right. And We're talking excess capacity. It, you know, inevitably that'll happen again, you know, which, of course, if you're a consumer, might not be all that bad because what you're seeing now is rates are going up because of, you know, supply and demand. Right. Well, for a new ship, I mean, let's be real here. For for an inaugural season on any new ship, they'll sell out because everybody wants to be first on their block. Yeah, and, and you're seeing that with this ship. If you look at the rates for this ship, you have seven, eight-day cruises going for almost $5,000 a person at the starting rates for the, you know, for the smallest cabins. We're talking like six, $700 per person per day, which is, is, you know, several hundred dollars more than you could get even on one of the older Silver Sea ships. And for those people who worry about older ships, by the way, I, I'm not one of those people, if you look at an inaugural season of any of these new ships, right, they're all sold out. Everyone wants to be first on their block. They want bragging rights, blah, blah, blah. But the ships that are two, three, four, and five years old, which are perfectly great ships, and go to interesting ports and have great service, that's where you get the deals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to be in the new ship, and so you see the surge, and, you know, it's supply and demand, and so the price goes up. But, you know, yeah, you go to a, a five, six, seven-year-old ship, and it's still a wonderful ship. But sometimes, in some cases, they build them in series. It's the same ship. You know, and, and, and you get it at a lower price. All right, so let's talk about these, these big ships because just when you think they couldn't get bigger, they do, right? And they get so big, they're limited in where they can go. And at the end of the day, it may not even matter where they go because there's, with 8,000 people on board, 
the ship becomes the destination. That's it. The ship is the destination. And and you book one of those because you want all that stuff that's on there. The rock climbing walls, the surfing pools, the you know, all the, the kitty areas and stuff. You it's almost no reason to get off. And almost you know, for uh, it, it almost doesn't make sense to get off because that's what you're buying is is that stuff on the ship. Right. I mean, it's sort of like the couple that goes on their vacation, right? Where'd you go? We went to Aruba. Where's that? I don't know. We flew. <laughs> With this crowd on the Royal Caribbean, you know, these huge, gigantic ships, they, all they can say is, we were at sea. Yeah. That's about all they know. Yeah, you know, and, and, and when I booked those, I mean, if I was going to go on with, say, with my kids, you, you know, you're that big. You're going to be getting off with six, 7,000 people. There's going to be a, a line to get off the ship. You, you think? Know, and it's, you uh, think? Eight, it, that's, uh, eight, you're there eight hours. You've got to be back half hour earlier. You gotta, you, it takes you a couple hours. But have they done, a, uh, in all fairness, I would assume that necessity being the mother of invention, they must have figured a way out with, with these huge ships engineering-wise, to get people on or off faster. Yeah. It, you know, it's still a problem on the big ships. I think Royal Caribbean did a really good job with that Oasis of the Seas class, which Symphony will be a, a sister to a bigger version of. Um, they did a really good job in thinking through how to get people on and off how that ship. How they do ship. it? Um, if they just, well, one thing they did is the ports they've gone into, they've, they've, they've pre-positioned, they've built, you know, they work the with the ports, the infrastructure on the pier. So, you know, you're, there's, what, there's always this there's bottleneck. There's one line. Yeah, there's yeah. this huge line getting in. There's that one metal detector they're trying to get everybody through. And, and you know, you get this line backing up for hundreds of people. And they, you know. So basically it's being run by the TSA. Yeah, it's a it's sort of the cruise ship version. Yeah, yeah, it's maddening sometimes. You know, you go to some ports where the port will run its security through a metal detector, and then you you walk a hundred feet, you walk up the gangplank, and then the ship does its security. So you're going through a metal detector twice. Well, yeah. what's interesting to me is the ports themselves. You mentioned that when I first started going on cruise ships, you know, there were the traditional seven day Caribbean cruises. You went to the same places, you bought the same straw hat, the same t shirt, and you know, you looked at a conch shell and ran. I mean, that was. What you did, mm -hmm. right? Today, there are over, I, I think, 1,050 ports that cruise ships call on. And it's staggering, not just the number, but the diversity yeah. of, of what's out there. I mean, Silver Sea alone, I don't even know if you know this. I, I, I'm sure you know they go to the Russian Far East. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also go to Bangladesh. Of, of those 1,050 ports that are mentioned in, by the cruise industry, Silver Seas goes to 850 of them. Yeah, and they're really one of the leaders in that. They've they've added these small little expedition ships, 100 passengers, and go some really Which are luxury expeditions. Luxury. They're wonderful ships, and they carry the Zodiacs on board. So they can, they can go to places that you just can't get to on a bigger ship. There's nowhere to dock, and you have little Zodiacs on board, and they get you into those, and they'll shuttle you, you know, land on the beach, and get you know, get your foot wet getting off. And... Do your little Douglas MacArthur deal. Yeah, yeah. Waiting ashore. Waiting ashore. <laughs> No, but what's interesting, if you talk about expedition ships five years ago, they were converted research vessels that were not great on accommodations, were not great on anything, except they could get you where you needed to go. Now they've custom built in these shipyards the luxury expedition ships. Yeah, yeah, and that's a huge trend right now. You're seeing, you know, Silver Sea, of course, has gotten into it. You see a company called Panan, a French line. Uh, Crystal Cruises. Is I saw their ships. Those are interesting ships. They're beautiful ships. Yeah. They're about 250 passengers. They got the Zodiacs on board. Really nice. It's a it's a nice company. So then there's pricing, and I want to talk to you about that because I've seen ads recently from some of the larger cruise lines, the mass market cruise lines, that are offering you know cabins at about sixty five dollars a night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a huge range, isn't it? But uh, you know, pricing, I think. Yes, you're seeing the lower pricing, but in general, pricing is going up. We're we're seeing the economy's gotten better, 
you know, there's, there's new markets like China that is absorbing some of the capacity in the industry, which is leaves less, less capacity for the North American market. And and it, it's, you know, pr- prices definitely is, is higher than it was a year ago, higher than it was two years ago. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But are more people actually cruising or is it the same people? It, <laughs> it's a lot of the same people. That's a really good point. You know, only about three or four percent of Americans take a cruise every year. And you see a lot of people at 30, 40, 50 cruises. The industry is really working hard to try to get what they call the new to cruise. People have never been. And, you know, it's a they're optimistic about it. It's, it's, it's a but struggle. You see, that explains all the shipbuilding, because if only four people, four percent of the population takes a cruise or maybe in history, I think it's like 13% yeah. of the adult U.S. population has ever taken a cruise. That's where the cruise industry gets a little delusional. It's like, oh, that means 87% suddenly yeah, want to yeah. go. I mean, and it, they it, don't. It, it's up a little from that. It's, I think it's in, the, it's in the 20s now, but it's you're right. Like if three-quarters of Americans haven't taken a cruise, and I don't think there's, there's a chunk of that market that is never going to go on a cruise. Um, the industry thinks they can get them all. But, uh, of course, the industry is also moving beyond North America, so you're seeing the newest, hottest ships now as often as they go to the North American market, are going somewhere like China. Right. And when we come back, I do want to talk about China, because as they're doing these custom-built boats for the Chinese market, I have to laugh, because, first of all, they don't want us on the Chinese ships, not no, no. in the least. I'll tell you why. I think they have two classes of service on the ships, smoking and more smoking. Toto, I've a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Talk about where these ships are going and how they're trying to you know, fulfill new market opportunities like China. And we can see some of those numbers when you think about 130 million Chinese who are going to be traveling this year. And a lot of them are like, they're new to cruise as well, but they adapt quicker now. Yeah, you know, and when they first started announcing it a couple of years ago, I was skeptical. But they're filling these ships and, I mean, the, the growth, they, they, the pricing is good. They're, they're getting people on board. There's, there seems to be like this bottomless you know, pit of, of people willing to do it over there. And, and uh, you know, of course, the issue is there's a lot new of more capacity coming and they're sending it to China. And are they going to be able to fill all that? But it's a huge growth area. And then there's just pricing in general. You said in the, in, in the last segment that pricing is going up. But I'm talking about the, the, uh, the technique of pricing and how they structure the pricing. To what extent are the cruise lines now taking their lead from the airlines in nickel and diming? Hmm. Uh, because everything becomes a revenue center on the ship. It's, yeah. it's about onboard spend. Those yeah. three words, onboard spend. Yeah, you're seeing that. What I what I like about a ship like Silver Sea, it's essentially an almost all-inclusive situation where it's not how many drinks did you buy, did you buy the drinks package, how many you know hot dogs did your kids try? No, it's different. Yeah, you're, and you're seeing a real divergence. So it, the, the mass market lines, the Royal Caribbeans, the Carnivals, the Norwegian Cruise Lines, it, more and more that you're seeing extra charges, and the charges that are there are going up. The price of drinks are getting more expensive. The gratuity charge that they put on is, is, is you know through the roof which is not at Silver Sea no and so the divergence is at the, at the luxury end in the Silver Sea the regions the Seabourns 
more and more is included. You're seeing, uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago, Crystal Charge, which makes Crystal Cruises, which is a luxury line, and, and now the drinks are included. Gratuity is being included uh, on these lines, and there's almost nothing you end up paying extra for. I guess one of the great luxuries is, no matter how much it costs, if you don't have to go to your wallet to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. You know, I never understood why some of the major hotels would have, like, you know, presidential suites, right? I'll, I'll give you the story. A guy checked into the presidential suite at a big hotel in Hawaii. He's renting for $3,000 a night. He reserved it for 10 nights. He checked out after a day. You know why? Mm. They charged him a $30 resort fee. Yeah. So the guy who was in charge of resort fees was ecstatic because he got $30 in revenue. The hotel lost $27,000. Yeah, and that, the guy said, this is nuts. And that that is a, a, a big issue in the industry. You're seeing these fees, the gratuity fees. And, of course, the question is, does all this money go to the crew? But they're going up at, at – uh, rates far faster than inflation. Over the last two years, you've seen some lines have raised their gratuity, or some of them call them service charges, some call them gratuity fees go up almost 20% or more in the last couple of years. And I would think, you've been on a lot more ships than I have, I would think from a passenger point of view, that does engender a little bit of ill will. Yeah, it, well, what you, you know, it, initially they started doing it. It used to be people would just tip their room stewards, tip the dining people on their own, and, you know, up or down, whatever you thought would do it. They, they started saying, well, we're doing this as a convenience for you, the customer. No, it's not. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there were some people maybe who didn't tip, and then they, you know, it, was, it, it, it frustrated the lines. But what I think what you've seen is with some of the mass market lines, they're, they're now relying on their customers to pay the huge percentage of the total compensation of the of the crew. And, uh, but they, most passengers don't know that. No. No, they don't realize how little the base pay is. Now, these, you know, it ends up being a, a, a decent wage for these folks, but, you know, there's some estimates that is all, some lines, it's as much as 95% of their total compensation comes from that, from the gratuity fee or service charge. Well, you know, I wish more and more people in the travel industry would understand that you don't need to be competitive on rate. You need to be competitive on value. Yeah. And, and once the audience knows that, once the passenger knows that, once the traveler knows that, they'll respect that. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. And, and, and you've seen that sort of like with the airlines where it's like they try to get that base cost down as low as they can because they can market that. And then they, they nickel and dime you on all the stuff on board. And, when you know, the thing about the, the service fees is, you know, just charge an extra 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the cruise. and um, Bury it in there and that's it. You know, but uh, I, I understand the marketing side of it. It's tough. You know, they, they say, well, if one guy has 699 on their cruise, the other guy Six forty nine. The guy for six forty nine is going to win. But you know, of course, you, you want to market if more. Not people than, know that they're getting value yeah, at the six ninety nine. That, that's it. It's up to the cruise lines to be not to market it, but to educate people as to what exactly they're doing. We 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 don't mind being comparison shoppers if we have something to compare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, to just say, look, we're going to have this included. And you've seen like a line like Norwegian Cruise Line that took one of its ships, Norwegian Sky, and thrown thrown in free drinks. And, you know, the price is a little higher to compensate for that. Hey, are people complaining about it? No, I think people no, love it. they love it. Yeah, because you get on board and, you know, you order a couple beers. And on the other ship, somebody's yelling out, who had the tuna fish, who had the cottage cheese? Yeah. You don't need that. Yeah, and it changes the dynamic on the ship's completely when you start taking away that stuff because you know you get on these ships with all the extra charges and the moment you get aboard of course they're under a huge incentive the employees to, uh, it's to the upsell, upsell you it's the upsell you know so they're yeah. and, and, and you get on a ship like the silver muser that we're on and you know there's no, there's no extra charge there's none of that pressure you go in the bar they're not trying to like push drinks onto you they, right. you know you drink no you go in the bar here and gene is trying to push drinks on you yeah because <laughs> he knows he can yeah no but it's a very simple lesson to learn that if people realize that it's included. Most of them are not going to like get crazy about it. They're not going to take it, you know, take extra advantage of it because they physically can't. Yeah. And second of all, 
they feel better about their experience. Yeah, it just exactly. It ends up being a more wonderful experience. And, you know, of course, the flip side is that the base price ends up being higher. But I think when someone books something like a Silver Sea or one of these lines where it is more all-inclusive, they get that. You know, they see the higher price and then they, they know, but I'm not, you know, that's it. That's what I'm going to pay. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. Joining me now, the reason why this ship is even here, the, the owner and chairman of Silver Sea Cruises, my good pal, Manfredi Lefebvre Davidio. How are you? Hello, you. Hello, you. Listen to you. How are you? This is number 10? No, it's nine, unfortunately. But there's another one coming, too. We hope soon. Yeah. What's different about this ship? This ship, well, you know, it's an evolution of the concepts that we've had, and it's an upgrade of everything, from the dining option, the color scheme, the distribution of the spaces. It's well, really a very... Well, you know, my hat is always off to naval architects because they usually have to work with a limited amount of space and they have to make that space work. I mean, I, I see what they do on ships in just in terms of storage and, and putting things in an organized way. And yet, that's just in terms of basic engineering. Then there has to come real space and luxury and, and, and that's the challenge. Well, if you go around the ship, you don't have the perception that the architect had a lot of limitations. There's a lot of sense of space, from the corridors to the main lounge to everywhere. Well, you've done the corridors differently, haven't you? Oh, yeah. They, they look different, don't they? They do. I mean, first of all, you don't feel trapped. You don't, you, and not only that, you have access to the whole ship that way. Absolutely. And then they have this very bright color. You can look through all the ship. It's, uh, it's an amazing result. I'm going to ask you to take off your owner's hat for a second and just put on your passenger's hat and tell me the thing that surprised you the most about your cabins. My cabin? Yeah. Uh, my cabin, what surprised me the most is, I mean, it's a very com comfortable uh, bathroom, very, very pleasant. You wouldn't want to walk away from the bathroom. And, of course, you know, in my, I work a lot here, so the main places where I am is the bed and the bathroom, so... The other one, I sleep. The, the bed is And you do your most creative thinking in which room? Uh, in, in my office, usually, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you intend? <laughs> well, I remember when LBJ was president, he did his most creative thinking in the bathroom. No, no, that's not me. That's not I'm you. I'm very fast also there. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the actual design of the bathroom, the lighting in there I like a lot, uh, the space. A lot of space, yeah. uh, very comfortable, uh, the, uh, its location. The, the the shower is amazing, very spacious shower. So it's you know I always like to think that if you you spend at least this is a hotel analogy, but you spend more waking hours in your hotel bathroom than any other room in the hotel. So if the hotel bathroom works, there's a really good chance the rest of the room was was well thought of as well. Well, exactly as I said, you know, usually in the hotel you go to, to the bathroom and to the bedroom and to sleep. You're not there a lot of time, at least for us businessmen that we're traveling to, to do business. Or sure. even on vacation, you're not going to be staying a lot of time in the bedroom. And yet, so many cruise ship brochures will make you think, in terms of the marketing, that you're spending all your time in your, in, your, in your room entertaining guests and having cocktails. You don't really do that. You really are out on the ship because you want to mingle you know, and you want to and have those experiences with other people. Well, that's me. But, I mean, you have a lot of people that instead travel as a couple and they want their time for themselves. The husband is working. 
they like to have some free time together. So that's another opportunity. They like to have and sweet dining. They like to be together in the balcony with other people uh, listening to them, or they simply like to read a book. What a concept. Read a book. I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you want to have all the options. That's a real luxury. I have the option to go out and meet people that are interesting for me to meet, or I want to stay in the cabin with my uh, partner and uh, enjoy uh, privacy, comfort, and uh, do the things that I cannot do during the normal weekday. This ship was built by Fincantieri. Yeah. Uh, they did an amazing job. And and every shipyard now is almost at 100% capacity. Uh, they're building ships at, an, at a record pace. Um, where do you see that going as an industry in terms of, of capacity? I, well, you know, we, we always had this. So we always had the capacity that in certain moments spikes, certain moments flattens. But the, the reality is that uh, demand has been growing. We've been capable of growing demand. How much has it been growing? Is it enough demand to satisfy all the shipbuilding that's happening now? Well, when I started in this industry, I think it was 3.5 million, and now it's 25 million people cruising. So it's big growth and uh, more to go because if you simply look that in the United States there are 13 million cruisers and in uh, the entire Asia there are 3 million with a population of 3.5 billion, and you can see how much potential there is. It's, it's interesting because when I take a look at the, at the growth and what people look at as trends, as we just talked about, uh, you know, if only 13% of the adult U.S. population has ever been on a cruise, and I think that's even high, you can't translate that to mean that 87% suddenly want to go, right? You have to be able to project on reasonable levels. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. Same thing with the airline business. Same thing with destinations. Chinese, 130 million Chinese are going to be traveling this year. Yeah, so more and more. And, and, and especially, they're going to spend more on their lifestyle than on taking back riding along in my automobile my baby beside me at the wheel cruising and playing the radio with no particular place to go Uh, my next guest uh, runs this vessel i have known him for a while in fact we were on uh, a sister ship last year the silver spirit out of venice (laughs) Uh, and now he's the commander of the newest ship in the Silver Sea Fleet, Captain Alessandro Zanella. How are you, sir? I'm great, Peter. Great to see you again. Now, it's it's an honor for any captain to take a ship out the first time. Absolutely. It's right? A, it's a great honor to be the captain of the new flagship. Were you actually in the yard all the way through? Not all the way through. I was in the yard the last five months, uh, just uh, before we started sea trials and towards the last part of the building. Um, very exciting. What about this ship from a <coughs> captain's point of view, not a customer point of view, yeah. is something that's attractive to you? Well, this is a first ship that we've got that we, we actually have a stern truster. So... Um, Hopeful and confident, and so far has been working out very well. It makes docking and undocking much easier. So that's, you got the uh, joystick? No, I still don't have the joystick. But There's still uh, no joystick. No, no, no. We still have to do things manually, which I like. But uh, are you telling uh, you actually operate the ship? Yes, I do. Oh my I God! <laughs> is there a wheel up there? There is a wheel. There is a wheel. Two engines, two belt thruster, one stern thruster. But wow! It's, uh, See, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> the addition of a stern thruster is very nice. So that's the the main. Feature obviously the the equipment and everything you know as years go by we get the, the more updates and of the, the top of the technology. But if you go on the bridge of most cruise ships, they, they look like guys <coughs> running are gamers. Uh, yes, uh, right. 
They're just uh, gamers out there. Yeah, no, here it's still a little bit more traditional, which I like, because if you know how to steer something that is more basic, uh, then the upgrade is very easy. You know, it's like uh, driving a manual car and switching to automatic instead of vice versa. So. You know, I always like to say that the, the real problem today with airlines is that pilots today do not fly the planes. They monitor systems. Yes, absolutely. Right? You're still flying the plane. We're still flying. Well, not, not you don't understand. We're not flying, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. You have stabilizers? Yeah, we have stabilizers. So you're flying. Yeah. You're flying. <laughs> you got wings. Yeah. You got wings. Yeah. And yet, what Silver Sea has done on this ship, because everybody wants to talk about the economy of scale, yeah. uh, and every cruise line almost seems to need to, to ramp things up. You haven't really ramped it up in terms of your number of passengers. No, it's very similar to the to the Spirit, and uh, just uh, 40 guests more than the Spirit. So it's very much based on the Spirit with uh, improvements, I would say. Uh, I like the Spirit as well. Obviously, I follow the old building of the Spirit, so it's still one of my babies as well. But this one, obviously, it's uh, it's a new version of it. So I think it keeps all the positive things of the spirit and it adds quite a few quite a few other, other things. Of course, the real key to any <clears throat> cruise ship, at least in my book, is not just the ship itself, but where it goes. Yeah. Um, and Silver Sea is going to over 850 ports. Yeah, that, is that to incredible. me is staggering. Yeah. That's, so I have to ask you, you've not been to 850, I know that. No, no. I haven't, no. But <laughs> that would be interesting. But of the ports that you've been to, yeah. there are the traditional ones, right? Yeah. You know, there's... there's uh, you know, Piraeus and, and Greece. And, oh, yeah. And all. But what are the ones that get you excited? Well, I'm half Australian, so Sydney is my favorite port. And a uh, very easy question for, for, for me. Uh, when well, you sail are... right by the Opera House, you go yeah, to the bridge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Yeah. I know, I know yeah. exactly yeah. where you go. So, yeah. but just sailing into Sydney Harbour, the. I think it's the best experience ever. There are other really beautiful Hong sailors. Kong. Hong Kong, New York, San Francisco, if you can see the the, the bridge, if it's not foggy, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful sailing as well. Uh, Rio, so there's really many beautiful places. Okay, now you mentioned to. five different ports that people are familiar with. Yeah. Give me a couple that people aren't. Uh, okay, uh, well, I would say French Polynesia, for sure. It's one of my favorite areas to go. There's a really nice island in Greece that I like. It's an anchorage. It's called Monemvasia. It's got like It's called what? Monemvasia. Okay. Okay. It's a really neat port that we go every once in a while. It's uh, an anchorage. It's an anchorage. Uh, Mykonos, everybody knows Mykonos, but it's a ch- very challenging port So it's because it's always windy. So it's always really an accomplish- accomplishment once you get to do a nice docking in Mykonos. I've uh, had the opportunity about once a year to train as a captain in your simulators. All right. And <coughs> it's amazing. People don't understand about momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Because yeah. they'll say to me, okay, you're going to come into uh, this Caribbean port and the wind is coming out at this way. You've got a container ship coming at you at this way. And you're yeah. only going three knots. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. You still can't stop if you don't do do the right thing. Yeah, it's all about anticipating. Yeah. And, uh, and the momentum, you're absolutely right. Because once you stop, the the, the, the slower you, you are sometimes, the more you're exposed to the change of the elements. So the approach to the pier and stuff, it really makes a difference. So what sure. you're saying is having that thruster is a pretty good deal. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It helps. It helps. What's sure. your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge is always the weather, I would say. Like if you're going into a port and all of a sudden something changes quite drastically, you know, then it's, uh, it's what I think my biggest challenge is. And then I've got to ask mm-hmm. uh, an environmental question because yeah. we've heard about the great plastic patch that's floating the size of Texas with all the plastic debris in the ocean. I mean, from your vantage point on the bridge, I'm sure you see a lot of stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, especially in certain areas more than in others. But, yeah, it's unfortunately some parts of the world are still really not taking care of the planet. Uh, Give me an idea of, 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 of the guys who are and the guys who aren't. Well, I would say in the Med, we're doing a pretty good job. Uh, there's a very strict regulation. And, uh, of course, along the coast of U.S. and Canada, and, and probably top of the line is the Baltic. You know, there's Scandinavian countries as well. Indian and Ocean. 
Indonesia, not so much. Yeah, uh, it's a shame. You know, you go to Indonesia, the, the places are just beautiful and stuff. The like Philippines. The, the Philippines and Asia in general, uh, China and stuff. And it's, uh, it's a shame because they're beautiful places, but you see so much pollution in, in the water, plastic bags uh, all over. So. I remember going to Midway Island in the Pacific. And for those people who don't know this, I mean, Midway, of course, is the site of the most decisive naval battle in the history of the world uh, back in World War II. And it's called Midway Island because it's midway between San Francisco and, and, and Tokyo. And when I was there, the U.S. Navy had left back in 1997. They turned it over to U.S. Fish and Wildlife. They kept the runway open. And the reason why they kept the runway open because it was a very long runway that could accommodate yeah. planes as big as the B-52. And the only reason why they kept it open, and Boeing spends millions of dollars every year to keep it open so that their planes will be certified for twin-engine operations over long distances. So if there's a problem, they have a place to yeah, land. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, makes sense. There are never more than 100 people on this island. When the U.S. military was there, was 4,000 people. Oh, now wow. there's only 100. And you go and you walk along the beach. You're the only person there. Yeah. And what do you see? Littered yeah. with plastic that's washed up on the beach. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. You know, so our business, you know, it's to take people to beautiful places. And uh, if we don't take care of it, you know, it's not going to be beautiful anymore. So uh, we've got, for us, we, we've got every every motivation to do no pollution, no nothing, but, you know, this would be something global. There you go. Keep that going. This is flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David, and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3, and you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You got to pay with plastic. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's great to have my next guest on live with me because usually we're doing it on the phone somewhere and uh, I have no idea where she is. But now I do know where she is because she's sitting right across from <laughs> me. She's the editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic. Carolyn Spencer-Brown, how are you? It's great to be here, Peter. So, I mean, look, how many ships do you go on every year? Mm, I'd say maybe 30. Okay, so basically you're never home. I'm home as much as I can be with going on 30 ships a year. Yeah. Um, but this being a new ship, there's always that, you know, new ship smell. It's yeah. like, you know, getting a new car. But this is different because in the luxury cruise market, I, I would think, you, you look at things in a different way. I think you absolutely have to look at things in a different way when you're talking about a luxury cruise. And I just came off of another new ship, brand new with great smell, which which was Majestic Princess, which is Princess Cruise's ship that is going out to, to China. And when you've got a luxury ship with less than 600 people, as Silver Muse does, um, the ship itself, while it needs to be lovely and nice and comfortable and, and beautiful food and great service, the ship itself is not really the point. The point is what you're going to do when you get into port. And the ship is sort of a great hotel that floats behind you as you travel along your way. So I think whereas a big ship is all about some of the hoo-ha, you know. The, on the ship. Yeah, on the ship. On the ship, hoo-ha. Literally the bells and whistles. The bells and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, and earlier on, on the show we had Gene Sloan from the USA Today. And we were talking about the new Symphony of the Seas that's coming out next year, that if you add up the passengers and the crew, you're way over 8,000 mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to joke a lot that, you know, these are, these ships are so large they got high crime areas on board, you know, because... <laughs> 
I mean, think about it. They definitely have neighborhoods. They have, <laughs> yeah. Hey, how you doing? The good news is there's not a bad neighborhood in the joint. Right. Except there's. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for Mayberry RFD. I'm waiting for Barney Fife and Andy to oh, come. Oh please, up. they have them. You just don't see them. Okay. Well, they have to have them. They have to. Right. They have to. But I think the thing with the big ships is is and, and Royal in particular, those ships are so well designed. It's really starting with Oasis. They're so well designed. And Oasis was six thousand one hundred, and that was shocking then. That was a few years back, and you feel like it's. It's going to be Grand Central Station and Penn Station on the day when there's a derailment. You feel like it's going to be insane, and it's not. People are really spread out. So, so, so if you need the they amenities, they figured out the movement. They figured out how to keep people moving around. That's exactly right. So, I think it's um, it just depends on what you're looking for. When you think about what's out there that's available to cruise passengers now that wasn't 20 years ago, and I'm talking about just available ports of call, mm-hmm. uh, we're dealing with over a thousand. Mm-hmm. And Silver Sea actually, I think, does a great job because they're going to over 850. 50 of them. That's staggering. One of the things I think actually to play on that that's interesting about Silver Sea is they talk about how they want to attract like-minded travelers to sail on their ships. So they want people who are well-traveled and sophisticated who come on board from a variety of backgrounds. So the people you're meeting on board are as interesting as the travelers, you know, off ship. So does that make any sense? Yeah. You're looking at me funny. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> taking it all in. I think it's really, I've never heard anybody say that sourcing the right kind of passenger so that everyone who's traveling together at least has something in, in common. And that's a, a thirst for what they're going to see off the ship and a, and a kind of a, a high standard for food and service, but really wanting to get their knees in the snow in the Antarctic. That's cool. And then come back and talk to it. Well, talk well, about it after. The passengers these days in the luxury cruise market are not on their final round the world cruise, if you know what I'm saying. They may not be on their first at this point. No, but what I'm saying, they are participatory in nature. Mm -hmm. They want to have bragging rights. They want to have experiential one-upsmanship. They paid for it. And they, you know, they want to hang with the penguins in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. they want to do the Russian Far East. And they want to do the Galapagos. and And at the end of the day, they also want to be in the spa. Yes, and the spa has to be nice. The bed has to be a good bed with great sheets. Uh, the food needs to be good. But so again, basically, basically, it's not just the number of cabins; it's the thread count. It's the thread count that matters. Nah. It, uh, well, sort of. Oh, yeah, the bed's good though. Are you, are you, are you giving a thumbs up on the Already, bed? Already twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I call it a snap nap. You know, you, you lie that down, was it. you, you go. Got a, a snap nap. So Carolyn Spencer Brown has already snoozed and has pr- given the uh, the approval. I haven't been to the bar yet, but I have snoozed. That that does that tell you that I'm getting old. Yeah, because usually people go to the bar and snooze at the bar. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay, just double checking. I just so, but this is not really about you know the rock climbing wall here. There is no, no rock climbing wall here. No. There's no wave rider. There's no. This is not an amusement park. Right. And, and again, I'm going to go with the the theory that there's something for every kind of traveler, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with a trip that involves a wave runner. Maybe you're going with your you know your you, you've got multi generation. You want to treat them to a cruise. You want the kids to be busy so they're not bugging you. Right. And they're having a good time. But I think one of the interesting trends we're seeing about luxury is in especially in terms of the design of the ships is that they're designing ships to become. More like home, I mean, maybe a little bit nicer than the home I live in, but, you know, the decor and the ambiance on board is more like home or a very nice boutique hotel than a really big, splashy five-star place. Right. And, 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 and comfort and coziness, this generation that's coming into luxury, which is the baby boomers, and I'm at the tail end of that, we want to be comfortable. We don't need butler on a platter every five minutes. Right. Every other day, okay. Here's my criteria. I judge it by the bathrooms because that's where you can actually do some innovation and design given the space that you're allowed on a cruise ship. And I think they've done a great job with the bathrooms on this ship. I mean, lighting. They figured out the lighting. 
And then they did something else. I know you were only on the bed for 20 minutes, but <laughs> but they figured out something else. The towels. What did they do with the towels? Bath sheets. They're larger. Yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah, but, you, you, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do right, that. Right, right, right. You know, Even luxury lines do skimpy towels. Right. There's, if you figure out that what's going to make a difference with your passengers is what touches their skin, right? It's like what Barry Sternlich did with, with, with W, right. hotels with a heavenly bed and a heavenly shower. He realized he couldn't enlarge the bathrooms. He just said, okay, whatever touches our guest skin, we're going to make great. Right, right. And they sold more beds than they sold rooms. I right. mean, people were buying the beds, right? right. So, so you bring up such a great point because I just came off of Princess. And again, it's not luxury, but let's talk beds. So Princess has put a huge investment into creating this bed called the Princess Luxury Bed. And the guy who is in charge of the effort, uh, Dr. Barry, I think his name is, was on board, and he was fascinating about why, how they designed the beds and, and how they design them for heavier people these days, and, and, and the beds were so comfortable. I literally got off the ship and online went and ordered two. But the bed is it's, – it's funny how important the bed is, and I think that cruise lines and hotels – the best way to try out a mattress is not to go to sleepies and lie down on 35 beds that other people have already kind of laid down on, right? Isn't that a little creepy? Right, right. But go on a cruise and pick one and see if you like the bed. You'll live on it. Hello? Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. The most important person on the ship is now my guest, because without him, there would be a mutiny. He's the culinary director of the Silver Muse, Rudy Schultz. How are you, sir? I'm very good. So I have to ask you about the obvious question about cuisine on the ship. I remember my first cruise. It must have been 30 years ago. It was 30 years ago. Um, and they had prime rib. They had potatoes. And caviar. Well, I don't know what cruise you were on. They had <laughs> on, on my cruise, they had prime rib. They had potatoes. And then for dessert, what a surprise, baked Alaska with sparklers, right? That was it. The industry stayed changed a lot since then. Exactly. Yeah. But your capacity for resourcing has changed a lot, right? I mean, on this ship or on many of the ships, I mean, you can source just about anything you want and, and, and deliver it every day. So my question is, okay, we're no longer doing Baked Alaska. Please tell me we're not doing Baked Alaska. No, only on special request. Ain't coming from me. <laughs> okay. Okay. But in terms of different dietary requirements, you have to support that. In terms of, of unusual cuisine, right? How many different restaurants do you have on this ship? We have eight restaurants with 26 different culinary varieties or offerings. And that in itself is different because, yes, a lot of cruise ships are going to, uh, you know, uh, specialty dining with, 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 with uh, upcharges up and surcharges. But there's always the main dining room, right? You don't have a main dining We've room. We've done away with the main dining room and really gone the, the other way. Where the idea was uh, we will not feature dining anymore in the traditional cruise style, but offer eight restaurants, which are typical restaurants that you can find in any upscale place around the world, be it on South Beach, be it in New York, be it somewhere in Paris or in London. And and, and that's what we offer on board the ship. So the, the guest can find uh, catering that uh, he would find in his uh, favorite restaurant in his town. And it's all about choice. And it's all about choice. I remember, and you do too, and there are still a couple of cruise ships that do this, right? First seating, second seating. Oh, I would. Oh, I hated that. Oh, I would hate God. that so much. The, the poor people at first seating, they can't linger. No. No, they get kicked out. They, they get kicked <laughs> Exactly. Here we have enough space to, to cater for everybody in any venue at any given time. 
there is about 800 seating facility on a 590 guest uh, ship. So the, the people have all the options of, of swirling around. And, and what we did is we, many cruise lines still change the menus on a daily basis. And as a, as a chef, it's actually really not a good thing to do. Because um, if, you get, if you have to change the food every day, it means you lose the standard and you lose the quality. Because there is a so this time you, you, in this situation, you maintain each individual restaurant's menu, we, and you just focus on that. And we focus on that exactly like you would have on a restaurant shoreside. And on a seven-day voyage, the guests can turn restaurants. They and rotate. They rotate the restaurants, and they rotate the food uh, that way, yes. Is there something on your menu that you never would have had five years ago? Well, never would have had. No, what we, what we have here on the menu is, a, is an Asian restaurant, which uh, very little cruise lines have at the moment. Here's a secret. Mm-hmm. When I first started cruising, I found out the best Asian restaurant on the ship. You know where it was? The Krumis. In the Chinese laundry. Yeah, in the Chinese laundry. That's right? True. Right? Yeah, it's I mean, it's that's true. exactly where it was. It's true. I know. Yeah. Not today, though. No, not today no. anymore. Now, today, it's Indochine. <laughs> it's the best Chinese dining uh, on board any cruise ship. Exactly. But now you can also locally source your fish your produce in different ports. Yes, we do, because we have our uh, seafood grill, which is Atlantide, and in Atlantide we feature a wide range of uh, fresh fish and seafood, which we actually source in every big port of call. All right, so now we're, we're cruising right now from Marseille to Spain. Yeah. What kind of fish are we going to get tomorrow? Uh, Mediterranean fish. Uh, that part I got. <laughs> that part I got. We have, uh, of course, we have an, uh, an offering of the standard fish that the guests uh, always like, which we fly in. But which is what? Which, which is what? Which is uh, Chilean uh, sea bass. Which Otherwise is known as, as the toothfish. Patagonian toothfish. Yeah. Which is an American all-time favorite. Yeah. Uh, the Dover sole, which is a British uh, all-time favorite. And those things we always have on the menu. And then apart from that, we change with the fishes uh, species that we can buy on the, on the different, in the different parts of coal. So you are adjusting the menu for that? We, with the species, yes. Right, exactly. But other than that, you don't. Other than that, we don't. All right. So let me ask you this about not just about this ship, but about the fleet. Is there one item on your menu that you said, wow, everybody's going to love this, and it completely tanked? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's like you have this idea about food. and uh, Like head cheese or yeah, something like that. Something didn't like work. That. No, it didn't work. Okay. Uh, you have these ideas about food, and uh, I do this analysis always for myself in uh, with the remote ordering system, checking what everybody eats and what they don't eat. And then I what, make, don't, what don't they eat? They, they don't eat uh, that much vegetarian food, for instance, yet I focus a lot around it. because They all say they want to, but they don't. Th- they all say they want to, but they, they don't. They all say they want to use the pool, but they don't. They yeah. all say they want to use the health club, but they don't. So yes. you have to have the health club, you got to have the pool, you have to have vegetarian items on the menu, but they don't eat. They want yeah. steak. They want steak. They they want lobster. Lobster, yeah. that's the kind of, the big shrimps, that kind of thing. Not little shrimps, big shrimps. Big shrimps. shrimps. Okay. You have to say that again for me. Big, big shrimps, shrimps. Okay. yeah, that's what it is that they want. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. 
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.